What would it feel like to be free? Do you constantly try and make changes in your life but always slip back into old ways? I used to be constantly frustrated by my lack of willpower. What I never knew is that there was a reason why I could not control myself and that there are processes that you can follow to regain your freedom. I interview some of the most knowledgeable and compassionate minds talking about breaking all varieties of bad habits and how to actually live a joyful and fulfilling life. Listen to the show and hit subscribe to free yourself from the shackles of the mind. And if you find some benefit, please share it with a friend and let's make the world a better place together. Hi, welcome to the Break the Chain podcast. I'm here today with Josh Rhodes. Uh, I'm very grateful that you've decided to talk to me today because people know you personally and when you, when people know you, it's uh, it's an extremely powerful story. So um, today we're going to focus mainly on um, on your story and on what kind of what you've been through. Uh, one of the yeah, other things I did in, in preparation for this was uh, there's kind of lots of myths about ketamine um so i've actually been doing some research just so i can kind of get the facts straight on some of the details so if you're happy to i'll i'll kind of add in a bit of those throughout um yeah i'm also aware that i'm also aware it might be quite a triggering episode for a few people so yeah i hope everyone can kind of just hang in there um because it's something you know it's something that's affecting our friends so badly um that I th- think it's uh, good to kind of get get the the facts uh, out there as well. So uh, yeah, I hope um, yeah I hope we can bring some of those into the light. So if yeah if you're happy to, please can you share your story with us? Yeah, so um, I know it started quite uh, a while ago really, and um, I think everyone obviously is in the same kind of situation um, as each other, and different people have got various reasons why they've kind of. Uh, got into it perhaps um perhaps got gone through difficulties etc things like that but my story might be a little bit different you know all i can share is what how i started kind of thing and kind of where i am now you know it's not uh, a perfect picture but um i'm in a much better place than where i was i guess um so probably start when i was like 14 15 something like that uh, back in school um so all the boys they were like smoke weed and just the usual kind of things really um get a 10 bag 20 bag that sort of thing and then um smoking quite a few friends um our friends were basically always like skaters that sort of style um so you know it's a good group of us you know we have to have lots of people uh some good parties that sort of thing so from my point of view it was, it was quite a quite a good time quite quite a high i guess um and then um we started hanging around with like some older people. Um, I think one of my friends' is brothers potentially. Um, you know, so we started, started mixing with like older people. Um, and then like we knew that they, them boys were starting to get into like free parties and parties, um, illegal raids, that sort of thing. So, you know, the, the, what they do is go around the country and um, set up big sound systems and, you know, it, it was all a good time. So um, and as a young young lad and you, you're friends with these older people, it's quite exciting in some ways, um, you know, being being part of something, being almost like a community, really. And obviously what comes with that is various other drugs and that sort of thing. So um, I think my second thing I'd try was pills. Um, 
So that was that was one of my first. I think I was actually I was ill the first time I took them, um, and then I was, I was yeah quite ill. Um, then it was like the MDMA that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, most things were tried, but like the real the real big one was obviously the ketamine. Um, so yeah, we, we all got kind of involved in that, and then and it was all fun. It was all fun, and we and we would do parties and that sort of thing. But after a while. I, I was getting older and older and I just found myself really just going into town, seeing my friends, but half the time was only just to pick up some, some K, you know? And um, towards the end, I just found myself literally in my bedroom. I'd go to work, get home, just sniff K. I had no, no life at all um, with that, you see. So that's why I kind of came to the end of, I won't say not the end, wasn't like suicidal or anything like that, but I, I was pretty, pretty low and I knew it couldn't carry on anymore. So um, I did various things, to be fair. I went to like, went travelling, saw, saw you, James, obviously, tonight in, in Australia to uh, sort myself out a little bit. And uh, yeah, for, for, a little, for a little while, I was, I was pretty sorted. Um, but, you know, having some, some good times and things, but I, it, like, you know, I'm sure you'd agree, James, even when I was in Australia, you know, I was a different person. You know, I, I was just like a, still a shell of a person from what I am now. Um, still ill with ketamine blood or, or whatever the correct term is. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I had to put that for quite a while, really. Um, but, yeah. So. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, as, as a kid, you was absolutely full of beans, like just just on another level of, you know energetic like seriously yeah. seriously energetic person because um I'm, you know i think we probably started hanging out when we go skating and you'd be the guy yeah. who just launch off anything just off yeah. the biggest i thought when you there <laughs> yeah well yeah but you you know you just go for it without you know it's wild and uh, <laughs> yeah uh, you, you guys got into the heavy drugs uh i think younger than i did i mean you guys were doing that in school weren't you it was uh um, yeah, fourteen or so. Like it's kind of like Fet, yeah, super early um, getting into those stuff. Yeah, like things like it was like the, the set and that sort of thing, just getting into, into that sort of thing. So you like, ah, oh, like so some of the because some of the even the uppers that we used to do, like the plant food and the maddie, like we stayed for like days on end and like the, the damage it kind of does to you, especially when you're a youngster. I, I remember like staying up on plant food in people's flats. And my lips, my fingers, my toes would almost go like black, like, and they would almost be like painful to even walk because my, it's like my blood circulation was like so messed up from being up for so many days on like plant food and like things that were like normal and it's just kind of not really, is it? Um, uh, yeah. So. At that age is so important for the development of the brain. Like it's just unbelievably <laughs> important and... Uh, for things like self developing self control and um, emotional regulation and all those sorts of things, that's like a, a really crucial time when uh, when the brain's trying to develop those things. So if, you know, I think I, I mean I started smoking weed when I was eleven or twelve. It was so it was so young, and um, yeah. you just don't give your brain a chance to actually develop to develop things like no. self control. So it's uh, it's um, 
yeah, it's difficult. And I mean, it's like you said, it was like it was uh, the, the community that we had and the friends that we had. Everyone would just be out having fun, basically. It was like, I, I feel like I was addicted to having fun before I was addicted to drugs. Like, That's I what just, it was, fun, yeah. I was just, yeah, I just wanted to be out having fun all the time. The idea of like work or any, doing anything responsible, I just wasn't into it. I just wanted to be out having fun all the time. And, and it really was that, that community of friends. It was, it was unusual, wasn't it? It was just like, it was a really, really big group of people. Everyone, everyone, yeah, everyone was close, wasn't they? Yeah. Always but like out. with me, it was like, like, like you said, I was quite energetic. I'm chatted, that sort of thing, you know, and, and that is, that is kind of me. Um, but like you obviously knew me when I was young, but like a lot of people didn't actually know the real me because, you know, Ketamine, like it, it put my, it, it messed my speech up massively, you know. And I could even string, I, I literally could not string a sentence together, and I would just become like this complete introvert where I'm constantly thinking before I speak because I just had the worst like stutter ever, like, and it was just such an embarrassing thing, and like I'd still do it, and like people just never, never even knew the real me. I was just this little quiet shell in this room. You know, they just, it just wasn't me. It's, it's like, you know, all, all my family have to see that, you know, and, you know, and, and they could see what I was doing to myself as not being, not being the son that they, you know, expected, you know, me to be, you know, and it's just such a sad time really for me. Yeah. Um, but that was like, that went on for years, like what, 10, at least 10 years, I think it was altogether. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know if I would say I was fully ever going to be fully recovered, if, if, that's, if that's a thing. Like, I, like, what I did was obviously moved away, you know, and I, I kept trying to move away. Um, so now I'm living in Wales, um, love it down there, got a whole new life, got, a, you know, girlfriend, everything, you know. Um, but if I move back home, I know you should, I shouldn't say it, but I'll probably be back on it, you know. I just, it's just such an urge, um, back home you see so not saying that that is what I've done is the right way of, of getting over it but it kind of worked for me um I, I don't know many people back home who's is truly truly kind of stopped really um there's a few obviously but it's, it's very very hard so my win was was moving away and just um getting away from there yeah from the whole situation, I think it's it's one of those things where it's where you say, "Oh, I'm 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 gonna leave my local area," you know, and just have yeah. And people are like, "You're running from your problem," and it's like, but if yeah. I don't, I'm probably gonna die. <laughs> so it's like run or die, you know. Um, you'd run from a tiger. Are Am I gonna run from a, there's a tiger? Yeah, you would like, do. Yeah, you don't, don't run from the problem. <laughs> It's like, it's like, and, and talking about family and things, yeah. you know, like, like the family will be much more happier seeing you in where you know New Zealand, like the other side of the world, you know, world, or even a few hours away, but happy. They're much rather that, wouldn't they? A hundred percent. You know, it's it's. I don't know how I. How I how well, I do know how I'm so I mean even after I left it's taken me I think it took me around seven years to, after leaving to say I quit I'm not going to do that anymore yeah and that was like practically seven years of being sober 
Um, yeah. I'd still drink in that time, but I wasn't using ketamine. I've, you know, I used it a, um, a handful of times on this side of the world. And, um, and, and to be honest, it, it, it was never the same because they're just, the friends weren't there and the community wasn't there. So it's like, yeah, I like the ket, but I also like the people. And there was this yeah. whole, there was this whole intermesh thing. So even when I did drugs, when I wasn't there, it was like, I was just a bit lonely. It was like, this is shit. Like I actually really liked I like the drugs, but I also like my friends, and I like the 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 humor, the, you know, the, the 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 whole thing. So it was like even when I used it over here, it was like it wasn't the same, and and I, I didn't even though it did still. I did like when I did it in Melbourne for about two months because I was earning enough money because it's about ten times more expensive here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I did it here. Uh, I did actually start getting addicted to it in Melbourne, and I just had to get out of there. And I was just like, right, I've got, I've got to leave, and I left again. And um, and uh, that taught me a big lesson: is like, no, you just, you just can't do it, not even once ever. Like, because when you do it, it just grabs you. Um, yeah. And then, and then I did do it a couple of times after that, and and it had actually started to fade by that point. But it really took me so long to say, right, I quit. I'm never ever going to do that again. Um, to the point where I can now definitely go back to England and not do it. But it will still, yeah. it'll still, it'll still make. I'll still be really super anxious if I go back to Horncastle or Lincoln. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be very, very anxious about about doing that. Just until I think I've got the confidence to do that. But if I didn't leave, then you know, like <laughs> the health, the health, the, the the health impacts of ketamine are just mind blowing. I mean, compared to practically all of the drugs, it's just so heavy on the body, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, that sort of thing was just, obviously, with, with the ketamine, it wasn't like the, the, the bladder things came, like, afterwards, but, like, I think I was, I might be wrong here, but I was one of the earlier ones to have, like, even, like, K-cramps and things. I remember, I think we'd been to um, someone's caravan, and um, and we'd come back, and we'd been there all weekend, like, sniffing, sniffing ketamine and all that sort of thing. Uh, I think we'd been to a party as well. And I remember coming down to the post office car park, and these... And I didn't know what they were. And these most horrendous, like, cramps, just my chest was just, like, completely tight. I couldn't breathe. I was, like, sweating. I was lit on the post office car bike in, like, a fetal position, just, like, writhing in pain. And um, I couldn't really work out what it was. And uh, that was, like, the first time I ever had it. And that was just, like, one of so many times uh, it would come on. Um, and, like, loads of people were, like, Everyone's had them that we know to fair, don't they? Um, such a, like, yeah. a painful thing when you get like, full-on cramps. Um, and then what most people do is, when you have got the cramps, you'll sniff some more kits and try and relieve some of the pain. And, uh, yeah, you're just in this little circle, just uh, sniffing more kits and having more pain. Um, so that, that's that's one of the things. And then, then after the bladder thing, that was that was a thing that probably it might even stay with me for the rest of my life. I don't really know. You know, it's, my bladder situation is miles better, but like at one point I was, I, I was obviously living at my mum's. I was like, just literally, wow, I, I, I was pissing in a pot next to my bed. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't hold my bladder, you know, and I'm like going to the hospital and I literally couldn't like pass urine. And I'm like, one, what I am passing is like, blood clots and just in the most agonizing pain um, through it. And uh, I'd even like, so I eventually had my bladder 
uh, how many chimps do I have? One, definitely one, so I had my bladder pumped out. Um, so I think they put a catheter up and put my bladder out with some sort of antibiotics and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I was even that bad. I would even like take some cat into hospital with me, which sounds, which sounds mental. I'll take cat in their hospital with me and I'd be crushing it up on my bed. Um, just cause I, just cause I felt like I needed it. I did, I didn't need it, but I just felt like it. And I'm in there, I'm in there because of that. I'm getting, I'm getting treatment and I'm still acting like an idiot and doing that. So I, I was just, I just couldn't say no at all. Very addictive personality. So yeah, that's the um, <laughs> the the lunacy of addiction. Like it's just it's just insanity, isn't it? I mean, you just I, I don't even question it. Like I, I wouldn't even just, think. No, no. I remember. Well, you know, I've done exactly the same thing. I mean, yeah. it's just it, like every aspect of life, you need to use it at all times. It's not like there's an event where you don't use it because you have to. Well, you know, you have to be on it all day. It's like if you. If you wake up and you don't already have it, it's a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, you go into sleep and like last, I remember I'd like flush it down the toilet because I'd be so sick of it because I wanted to sniff it all before I went to bed. Yeah, yeah you have to. You, you, you got to wake up in the morning and you're just like, oh, need, I need it again, and then you have to, yeah. you know, go to, on some crate that the lengths that you'd go to to, you know, and the lies that you'll tell to 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 get it again, and you know, be at work and make up something or. You know, take a car for a test drive off my dad's forecourt and go and get it. Sorry, Dad, I don't know if you're going to hear all these things now. Um, but yeah, and you just the bullshit, and you know, and the the money and the money it costs, and oh my god, yeah, it's just it's it's vicious. Um, yeah, the money's obviously yeah big thing as well. Like you know, obviously if you think about what you could have spent that money on, kind of thing. But um, but like I you know I was fed up. There's some some boys out there doing. A, f- a few gram a day, you know, and um, I think even towards the end, I was probably on about a gram a day, something like that, which is still quite a lot considering it's in your system all the time. Um, that's all I could pretty much afford. I was I was in debt, you know, um, because of it. I just get like payday loans just to get it, and I, I, my, I think my outgoings are like a thousand pounds a month just for these payday loans. Um, and then obviously I have to live for the next month, so I was in getting more payday loans. It's just a bloody nightmare, like. So. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I'd, I'd throw all the baggies out because I'd stuff them into my speaker holes. After then, them, after, I, after scraping them. After I know, I'd save them so I could scrape them later, and then you'd put this <laughs> yeah. little thing, this tiny little thing out, and you'd just be like, "Yes, yes. <laughs> big mystery <laughs> oh line." My God. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'd like throw them all away and then and then like a month later I'd pull them out again and I'd be, there'd be this mountain of bags and I'd count them and I'd count how much money it was and I'd be like oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. fuck yeah yeah but like you know I, yeah I always kind of use a pay loan and things but like uh, some people you know I've got it I've got it worse you know and you know obviously there's some boys out there that, that will steal rather than you know and, and do whatever to get certain things but but that, that wasn't that, that definitely wasn't my style you know I, I would just just do the paid loans. I'd work still you know I, I was always working that sort of thing um most of the time so but um I had to get the money somehow so sell it do whatever you know I had to, I had to get it it's fu- it's funny because one of the reasons why the government isn't doing anything about ketamine is because ketamine users generally aren't criminals, and they don't commit yeah. crime often. 
I don't yeah. know why that is, but it's maybe not, it's, it's not just as physical, is it? On, well, they're on cat. <laughs> You rob a bank, it's not going to go great, is it? You're just going to fall no. over and just like shoot yourself <laughs> in, the, in the leg or something. Um, yeah, but but that's why the government don't want to do it. I mean, there's loads of urologists, especially in the southwest down towards Bristol area where there's just mental problems. And yeah, uh, you know, yeah. people are saying they're saying to the government, like, soon we're going to just have like our clinics filled with people with bladder problems, and they're just like, well, they don't do crime, so we don't really care about it. And they're just like, there's like, um especially in the southwest there's a massive 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 problem with it and one of the other places that there's a huge problem with is china which i didn't because i didn't know anything about that but because that's where it's mostly produced they've got loads of kind of like gangs and stuff that are making it uh, over there a lot of, a lot of um, came from china isn't it yeah and and they've got like ketamine ghettos and stuff and um it's it's crazy looking into it and like these places where it's like a place where it's just surrounded by like bottles from making ketamine and this is there's like this big um like desolate place full of trash with like loads of like millionaires living in the middle of it from that got rich from making ket it's really weird um yeah, and they've got huge huge problems there where like the police are addicted to sniffing ketamine and stuff and uh Cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. There's actually some really, really interesting things to to watch out there and and to and to read about on on, on it all. Um, but it's unbelievable. You know, I find it unbelievably triggering to watch because obviously anything that, that's reported about it on the BBC news is, it shows you people using. And I'm just watching it. I'm just like, well, that looks good. Um, but it's just like, like, oh my god, it's amazing how um, the insanity of the mind. How you know, even like after I got so sober, my life's kind of so peaceful uh now and i watch it and i'm still just like oh that looks great you know but it's like but no never again ever not not even once but watching it uh and doing the research is still you know i hope what at some point i can get to the point where i'm not so anxious like it doesn't make me so anxious doing it so i can actually you know um go back into that area and 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 be around that and not be affected so i can actually be of more use um but yeah, it's still unbelievably absolutely. difficult for me even now, to be honest. Um, With me, it was almost like like a routine. Like I was just stuck on, like, it was just a certain routine. I'd finish work, I'd go do that, I'd go watch TV. I'd just do things a certain way, but I'd have to have it. And I was just stuck at doing something. And I wouldn't even, like the night before, say if I was really ill or whatever, I'd chuck it all away. Next day, wouldn't even wouldn't even cross my mind. I would just, just literally do it. Because um, I was just stuck in that routine. But, like... It's, it's definitely just a mental kind of a, a addiction more than anything. As soon as I moved away, as soon as I went to you know Australia, came down here to Wales, um, I, I, I didn't crave it, you know. And um, that, yeah, don't get me wrong, like you know, I've not been teetotal in three years. I, I haven't been, but um, you know, I, I can I can now choose. I have a choice um, more so, but um, yeah, like it was just a complete different switch straight away. My, my routine has changed. I think also because like down here now, I have no friends that, that do that, you know, and I, I don't I don't speak to people. I wouldn't even try and get involved with people who did that down there. That probably be easy easily led, um, and I think that I think the whole the the whole thing just just helps massively. Who you hang around with, uh, where you are, um, hobbies, that sort of thing. You know, obviously, I, I mean, I, um, I'm doing quite a lot of biking, that sort of thing. Um, it just keeps me. Sane almost really, I think. Mm. Yeah, there, there's definitely a need to make a, a make a fresh start, and 
I, I don't know anyone who stayed in that scene and quit and stuck at it because if you're around it all the time, you know, eventually, you know, it might not be for a year, it might not be for two years, but eventually one day you're just going to think, oh, maybe I'll just have a little bit again. You have yeah. a little bit and then a little bit turns back into a lot almost yeah. straight away. But, but even, even, when I, even when I did like a little bit, like, I didn't enjoy it. Like, and I used to think like, I was like all the time. And obviously when I did it, it would like, you know, obliterate me. It would, you know, and, um, it started giving me like headaches and like it, it makes me sick now to be honest with you. Um, so my body's like, it's almost like telling me like it just, it just doesn't agree with you anymore. You mm. see. Um, so, but yeah, you know, that was going on for quite a while really. So yeah. I think the last time I did it, it was okay for a little while. Then I got an unbelievable headache. Yeah. So yeah. I was doing yeah, headaches. Yeah. I, I'd be sick after, the, after these headaches, but like when I was, when I was, Doing it all the time, you just do, you could do whatever. Like you need to wake up in the middle of the night, do it. Um, I just had a massive, massive effect on it. And if you like, you know, I'm I'm not a opposed to to, to drugs or like that. You know, alcohol alcohol is a drug. You know, alcohol turns people into some people horrendous people. You know, um, and that's that's legal. Um, so. My view is that you know, everything in moderation is is, is all right if, if if you can control that sort of thing, um, and especially like ketamine. I think in America that they do like um, what's it called um, ketamine infusions. So so they're using like tiny bits of ketamine, aren't they, um, to almost deal with mental health. And to be honest with you, like I can see why. Like in, in small mm. amounts, it does kind of it does if you if you're anxious or worried and that sort of thing it does block it out. Like, you know, um, you might be completely thinking about something completely different, but it numbs you. Um, so, you know, for people who have anxieties or have been through quite a lot and they get addicted to the care, I can see why it'd be very addictive for some people because it does block out things. Then on the flip side of that, me personally, I wasn't like really depressed about anything else kind of thing, but I was mainly depressed because of the money I've been spending, how ill I was. So that was the kind of root cause of my issues. But yeah, that's something I've done myself. Yeah. And I... yeah, they're using ketamine and MDMA and psychedelics for assisted psychotherapy. And they're having really, really, really good results with it. What's so, that, MDMA uh, and what else? MDMA, ketamine and uh, psychedelics. Psilocybin. Yeah. I, think, I think it's psilocybin, some type of psychedelic, some type of mushroom. Um, and they're having really, really good results with it. Yeah. Obviously, for us, that's not probably not going to be very helpful. <laughs> um, no. But for anybody who's not addicted to it, then, you know, maybe, I mean, especially with things like trauma, when it's just um, something that's extremely difficult to deal with, or PTSD. But I think one of the things it just, because yeah. it, it does lower your anxiety so much, because one of yeah. the things ketamine does is it disassociates you from your senses. It kind yeah. of like, it, it turns the senses down so that all the stimulus that's coming from outside um stop st they, that all goes quiet it all gets turned down and then it kind of you know kind of leaves you more in the mental space and um and it, and it turns that down as well and it just leaves you with a little bit more of, of a kind of a peaceful feeling yeah um, so i guess when people can do therapy in in that state they are less likely to be triggered and less defensive and stuff so it, it does have those benefits but you know it's always kind of like I was actually been watching some videos of people who've been using ketamine for depression because they do it in like a spray as well, um, which will be, I think, you know, it's going to be way lower doses. Yeah, um, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, and she's talking and she's like, she's like, I felt depressed. And then I used this and I felt great. And I was thinking, well, no shit, it's drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but how long, how long are you going to feel great for, you know, if you're using... And um, you build tolerance, don't you? you? You build tolerance to these things so fast, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's the problem with, with drugs and, you know, but you can't cure, you can't cure drugs uh mental health problems with drugs they don't cure them it's the other things that you do that will that cure them but they can you know give you a break from extremely difficult situations i mean there's i think that's one of the reasons why we all use drugs for so long and you spoke you spoke about anxiety you know i had unbelievable social anxiety and insecurities and stuff that ketamine um covered that over for a while you know and like, the ironic thing is like i really cared about what people thought about me and then i used ket and then i didn't but actually like my presentation to people on ketamine was just horrendous like i was just like white crust all over my face coming out my nose <laughs> all up my sleeves cross-eyed yeah. stuttering and i yeah. felt better in that state talking to people than i did were totally sober talking normally so it wasn't about how i was acting that really mattered it was about how i felt um yeah, and I think I think I, I suspect that the majority of people who are addicted to ketamine have problems with anxiety. Yeah, you know, like like with like yes, obviously the, the you know obviously trialing ketamine things, but like you know it would be just nice to just be able to do things without drugs. Like you know, drugs have you know some natural drugs have been used for hundreds, probably thousands of years and things, but all these man-made drugs, you know, it's not really for the human body whatsoever are they you see so i think like if you can do things like with hobbies that sort of thing like you know I, i'm sure you know about my um i've got my sister and i who's got various um issues um uh, mental health kind of issues you see and um i would love for her to be able to find a peace in herself and to be able to maybe find something that gives her that peace rather than being on you know lots of different tablets you see um so you know it's, it's early days but that's us see what goes on with her i think you know we, we face enormous problems because we get brought up in in such a way where we get told that the world's going to be this way like this the world's going to be like this you, know, you get showed all the perfect things you know you get show, shown the perfect relationship and you get shown the perfect life in you know you get shown all these images of perfection you get shown advertised holidays and you know, you get, it's all, it's all there given to us. Like you're going to feel Perfectly. great. And yeah. then you go out into the world and it fucking hurts. And, and there's letdowns and there's failures and there's all these things. And we don't get bred to be resilient and we don't get, and we don't enter the world with a foot in reality. So when you want all these things and reality's not like that, it hurts and you're disappointed and you're frustrated and you're angry and, you know, and, and it's hard. So then, it's not helpful and and when and when you've been let down so badly you want to kind of numb it out and you don't want to deal with reality because reality sucks compared to what you thought it was and um you know i think it's one of the big reasons why we're facing such a big problem with addiction and so many other problems as well because life's hard life's so much harder than you ever think it's going to be yeah I, I agree with that it's just um like, yeah i think it's just the the routine of what you get into it's just like a, it's just an easy thing, especially if you, if you start young. You know, it's almost like a cool thing to do, almost as well. You know, mm. and um, and and yeah, but then it just bites you in the in the, in the ass, really. And then you look at yourself, and you've literally you've literally been I won't say lost ten years of your life, but in some ways, 
you could have done a lot more different things that more beneficial to yourself in them 10 years or whatever. Um, you know, I literally might as well have been stood behind that, looking at that wall for 10 years. Um, so I, I haven't gained anything. I've just got ill. I haven't gained any money. I've gone back money. I, I, I've done nothing, you know, and yeah, you know, I've had a good time with my friends, that sort of thing, but I haven't moved forward. I'm just stuck like in, in a, in one position for all these years. You know, I'm, well, I'm now 30, 31 now. So, so, um, so what dis- what decisions did you make to move forward? What what were the decisions where you consciously went, right, I've got to do something about this and this is what I'm gonna do? Um so I was I was at home with myself and my sister at the time actually to fair and, and and she was getting very, very ill and my mum and my dad were like, you know, going through a horrendous, horrendous time, you know, just trying to be there for the family. And like my view was like I am putting such an unnecessary burden on this family. Like, and for myself, you know, obviously I need to sort myself out as well, but, you know, I'm just looking, at, you know, at the family and things, and, like, I'm just a cause of, of issues there. And um, I, I, I started smoking a little bit of weed and doing care at the same time, and that really, like, fucked my head. And um, I had some, like, we- really weird, like, um, almost, like, psychotic thoughts. Um, and... I just knew it wasn't wasn't good. Like I was thinking about some some weird weird stuff. Um, after I can't remember the next day, but I knew it was it was, it was bad. Um, and then I started decided to either um, try and move away again. And I think I was talking to um, my friend Holly. You know, you know Holly. And they're obviously all in, in Canada at the minute. And I was planning on maybe doing that. But then obviously I did Australia as well. And I came back and I came back to nothing. I'd kind of not done what I wanted to do in Australia. Came back to nothing. And um, but I knew I had to do something. And things with me, I've got to give myself a little bit of credit. Like, if I, I am a, I am a doer. So, like, if I do put my mind to it, I, I will do it kind of thing. Uh, but I know it took me a long time to do it kind of thing. But um, I did then decide to, cause you know, you know, Dan, um, he lives down here. You see, Dan, Dan was. And, um I thought, no, I'm going to come down here and actually make a life for myself rather than like go up, go away for like six months to a year or whatever and try and make it work, actually come down somewhere and uh, and make it work for me. So I just uh, started applying for some jobs, came down for some interviews and then just moved in with someone basically. And then, mm. yeah, that's three years ago now. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was interesting because I guess I've seen you twice when you've been away. There was the first time in Austria and you was extremely ill there, and you know you went. Yeah, away yeah, I went, yeah. And people would be like, "Oh, that's a holiday," but you know, you, you was going to the toilet every well, I don't know, like five, five ten minutes, wasn't you? Even yeah, over there. I was, I was, how old was then? 21, 20, 21, 22, I think it was then. Yeah, nineteen, I think. Early, young. That was that first time. That was a holiday. Oh, that was a holiday, wasn't it? And then, okay, when I worked in Austria, weren't you on? Weren't you in Mayhoven as well? Or not? Uh, oh yeah, I, I went there again. Twenty one. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were, I mean, well, you know, people think, oh, Josh has gone on holiday. <laughs> yeah, that was. No, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, that was good, but yeah, yeah that was that was not yeah, it. It's, um, but um, it's not exactly a holiday like you might imagine, because um, like, you went for an operation as well, didn't you? Uh, uh, on your bladder while you was there. Uh, they inspected it more, so didn't they? Yeah, I was just in like loads of pain still, so. Um, 
Yeah, Nick Nick came with me, didn't he? Yeah, the mm. weird it was. But um, yeah, so but like yes, yeah, it, it took a while to actually get my bladder all right. You know, I guess a lot of people kind of want to maybe know in this vlog about my bladder and that sort of thing. I've I've done it for quite a while. Um, it, obviously, I, I stopped. You know, and, and the main thing for me was to clear clear that out of my system. Um, and then certain things would have affected more, like like. And when I moved down there, I went to a gig in Bristol and um, obviously my workmates um, didn't really know the full situation. I couldn't drink lager and, and I drank, I think I drank like half a lager. And I pissed like eight or nine times in about 20 minutes. You know, I'm in front of my, my, my new work friends and I like can't control my bladder. And that was, that was really embarrassing at the time. Um, and then it just, it's just time, literally time and just drinking water and, and, and passing it through. Um, and then I think, um, when it got really good, I still go into, I think when I went to Australia with you, I would still go to the toilet at night, um, quite a bit. Um, and what really stopped it was in the first lockdown, actually, when I stopped drinking caffeine because I, I have a coffee a day kind of thing and that kind of stimulates my bladder. Um, and I stopped the coffee and then miles, miles better. It was. Mm. Um, I did end up having a. Um, so I went to doctors about it again because there was there was blood in my urine, uh, and there's always usually blood in my urine in, in, in parts. And then they put a camper down there, and then he was like very very, almost almost sure to the point it was like almost like a tumor down there or like cancerous that sort of thing. Well, I, I was just say to him it was just you know inflamed bladder that sort of thing. But he, he was like quite worried about it. So I ended up having a biopsy. Um, so I put to sleep and then however they do it, they obviously go down your, um, down your and then take part of your, like a little tiny part of your bladder out to test it. And you know, good news, it, it wasn't obviously cancerous kind of thing, but it was, my bladder must have been that scarred and inflamed, that sort of thing. It just must have looked um, really, really bad. So, um, so yeah, it just took a, it took a long time to actually get, get sorted. But it does get better. Like it's crazy how you know it, it how well it does heal. Um, but at the time, you think literally you, you, when you can't piss and you literally think your blood's about to explode. So. I think the research shows that the first after three months. Yeah. Let me just go here. Let me just go and see what because um, see if I can see it uh, kind of. Uh, immediately probably not I'll, I'll i'll get to it anyway i didn't want to i don't want to read all that stuff out until the end just in case anybody wants to check out before we get into the grim stuff um <laughs> uh yeah most people's bladder improves within three months of stopping and i you know there's there's, there's a wide range of ketamine users who use in different ways and our yeah. group of friends are ex reasonably ex extreme and there's a lot of people out there that don't use ket in the way that our friends do but, you know, out of the heavy ones, within three months, your bladder makes a considerable uh, improvement. Mine definitely did. Mine kind of took about three months um, the first time I went away to to, to make to see a real improvement in it. Um, and then for me as well, over the years, I can't remember what it used to be like, to be honest, because it was so long ago since before I started using, you know, when I was 17. I don't exactly remember what how regularly I needed to go back then. But, you know, I, I feel like now it's gone kind of back to normal. Um, and mine was, you know, I never had blood in my urine or anything, but, you know, I would need to go 
felt like I need to go to the toilet constantly. I'd go to the toilet for a piss and then and then it would sting like hell while you're going. Then after you've been, it still stings like hell and it still feels like you need a piss, even though you've just been. And then yeah. that's basically life. So basically it stings constantly and you know, and I think one of the one of the real uh you know, there's so many vicious cycles with ketamine because generally it's a painkiller and it's a really good painkiller that causes you pain in the long run and then it's the only thing that'll take it away again. So, you know, to to get rid of that you'll sniff more ketamine. Yeah, if you're doing pain. it for K cramps. It's the only thing that'll take it's not actually the only thing that'll take away K cramps. It's the only thing we have available to take away K cramps. Um because I know that if you go to hospital they have other things. If people know about it, if you see a urologist who who knows about these things, there are other things that will take away the pain of K cramps and things that won't continue to cause them. So that's good to know. Um because I was looking yeah. into what what causes K cramps? They don't actually exactly know what causes K cramps. It's like blocked bile ducts, um, and they suspect it might be something to do with the liver, but they're not exactly sure about that. Um, but it's good to know that it can take it away. But it's um, you know one of the things that makes it such a vicious cycle is it's like it's the it's like you use it and you like it, and then it gives you pain. And and just to be clear for anybody listening who doesn't really exactly know um, about how it how it all works, it's like to to get things like K cramps or k bladder you have to be a heavy user and you know i i'm not i'm not exactly sure like how much you would have to use because i think everybody's different because you develop symptoms kind of you develop symptoms a lot faster than other people didn't you so everybody's kind of different some people are more resilient but you know if you're using kind of like two grams every day there's a chance that you're going to lead to these things but it wouldn't be like if you used it once you would get it but if you use it once, you might start using two grams every day um, at some point. Um, I mean, when did you first know that you was addicted? Um, I don't know, really. I've the age of it, like, I don't know. I'd say that's an addiction. I, I, I would say that, like, an addiction would be more visible to me when I knew there was health issues. Because, like, without the health issues, I was just literally taking drugs and having fun still, you know, and going parties, yeah. that sort of thing. It's all good. So it was never a problem. I was I spent a lot of money on it, but it was never, like, a problem. You know, even if, you know, I turn up, I try to turn up home in some horrendous states, like, not for all night on ecstasy and mad in my eyes and my cheeks are out here. Um, but I was still having fun, you know. And um, but then I guess when the... K cramp started that sort of thing, and the it was it, it, the the bladder thing was the horrendous, was the real big thing. That that was moving me all the time. I was um, so then then he knew it was kind of a problem, but it still just wouldn't it, it wouldn't even stop me. Um, and obviously my my friends, you know, obviously most of my friends would do it. But, you know, got some 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 good friends back then that of course don't do it. Um, and like I've got you know I've got a friend Amanda, you know, and I was quite close to her and I remember her but like she just could not grasp because she never did it she wouldn't wouldn't do anything like that she just could not grasp why I'd be doing it even though I was in so much pain and doing that to myself and it's just worthless and I'm I'm just this person sat in a room all quiet and um, yeah I could never can never give her an answer ever ever no, it's so frustrating for people who don't understand 
the reality of, uh, you know, you lose, you don't have control. It's not, it's not a choice. You know, once you've got to the point of addiction, you've, you've handed over the choice. The choice, the choice comes a lot earlier, doesn't it? Where it's like, oh, do you want to try this? Yeah, but (laughs) if you, if you say that to people, people will always say you do have a choice. You can either say yes or no to it. You get offered it, you say yes or no. It's just closed my I find it closed minded thinking that is. Um <clears throat> there is there is a choice. Um my choice for me was like, am I gonna get the fuck out of here and and get my head straight and try and get some clarity? Because I've I, I have gone insane. I've lost the plot. I can't say no to this thing that's killing me. I need some clarity. I'm gonna have to get my head straight, I'm gonna have to get sober, because whilst you you know, I'm on drugs all the time. I don't know what the hell's going on. I've got to go and get my and have a really good think about this. And 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 the you know the the more clarity you get, the easier it is to start making decisions. But you know when you're in the moment of you know, I just didn't get a decision. I didn't really get to make a decision. I would go and and pick up, and I would go to extreme lengths to pick up. And the first moment that I became conscious of what I was doing was the moment that that it hit my nostril. <laughs> And then I would sit there and be like, fuck, it's, you know, it's, it's Monday morning or it's Tuesday morning. What the hell am I doing on Ket already at this time in the morning? I don't want to be on Ket. Why can't I just stop? But the, you know, the moment leading up to that and the, you know, like I could, I would get on a bike and cycle um, 20 miles feeling like crap just to get it. And I'd be highly motivated (laughs) to to go and get, I I wouldn't do that normally you know um raining in my face i'd do it just just to get it just anything, to get it just to get it and then soon you, you, you drive you, like you, you, you drive like, miles don't you? you you drive it's obviously if like say honcaston avenue and you find out someone miles away like something we've got that leads didn't they to because they heard like leads had some and there's a drought everywhere else that they'd, they'd drive anywhere and they pay like 50 60 quid a g you know and it's like just to, just to get it and then when you get it you, you get like 0.7 you're disappointed you're sniffing it's a load of crap anyway and <laughs> it's just, it's just, you just it, it was constant just disappointment on it <laughs> yeah uh, but you but you're not aware of that until like there's something you, the first moment that i became conscious was as soon as i'd had it and i was like oh this is pretty mundane <laughs> this is pretty boring yeah um yeah, it is. It is a boring yeah. like, Even even the party scene, like the the party scene was you know amazing when we were young. It was just like the the coke, the maddie, the pills, that, that sort of thing. And then like the cat came along, it was like it it did it did kind of fit in in some ways, but like it did kind of kill the parties as well. And everyone was just fucking fucked, weren't they? You know, like oh, yeah. like early hours of the morning when you just everyone's zombied up, aren't they? In front of the in front of the yeah. rig. I mean, there's different uh, ways of using drugs, isn't there? There's like, am I going to use drugs to have a good time and enhance what's going on around me? Or am I going to, you know, use too much and go into an internal world and leave the world behind, you know? And I think as soon as you start leaving the world behind, you've got a problem because you're really slipping into the realms of, you know, like, like heroin, you know, like that's like the intention is to be totally out of it. I just want to be by myself, wrapped up in this warm, dark, cozy place. It was heavy, like me with me. Right. It's not about yeah. the like the uppers and things. Like if I take coke or any sort of uppers now, um, I just go like really, I, I get really paranoid. Like just does not agree with my head at all. But like yeah, my you know addiction is always down the 
the sedatives, the care, that sort of thing. I'd, I'd, you know, if I, if I did heroin, I'd be, a, you know, I'm sure I'd be a great heroin addict, it would be. Um, but um, it's not going to be. But uh, yeah, that sort of thing, really. Um, I, I don't think it'll ever really leave me. Um, I think, I think, you, I think, I think Marek was the first person I heard say this, but like, I will always be addicted to something. And then it just depends what you're addicted to. I think, uh, and I think it was him that said that, and that's what was kind of stuck with me. So I like, I I have got an addictive personality. I, I get addicted to anything, um, uh, you know, the gym or whatever. Now it's like down or mountain biking, um, and I spend all my time just doing that. Well, like when we were younger, skating, you know, I think addictions have always been with us. I think, like even with you, I'm not sure, sure if you're biking or skating anymore or anything like that, but. Um, Definitely, that you into as well, well I just, wasn't it? I've kind of, I'm sick of hurting myself. <laughs> like last time, last time I hurt oh, myself, yeah. it was bad on a vert ramp, and I was just, and I've, my elbow's still buggered from two years ago. And, so I've, uh, I've had to, I've whacked on your blade. Yeah. yeah, I've wound that one back a little bit. Um, yeah, growing up, James, growing <laughs> up, you are. Uh, yeah, I still like the idea of it, but Beautiful, I don't do it. And my, like, if I fall on it again, like it's. Um, I mean, this is the problem with uh, getting being addicted to extreme sports has a consequence. Being addicted to drugs has a consequence. I mean, I've been I've been pursuing pursuing yeah. trying to find that thing in life that 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 you can do a lot that has good consequences. Well, and, and for me, it's you know it's it's in the realms of yoga and spiritual things. I can do it a lot. I wish I was addicted to it. I'm trying. In yoga, I'm trying yeah. to get addicted to it. You know, it's something I've been doing for really? over three years now. I think yeah, around that time, and 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 really? it's, like, it's always an effort to do it. It's always like I have to keep making myself do this. I can't let this slip because this is what keeps me safe. This is what's given me the ability to quit drugs, and this is my alternative. And this is the this is what I'm doing. This is actually genuinely, sincerely good for me. Um, but I, but I wish I was addicted to that, and I'm trying to get addicted to that because when I'm addicted to that, my life will be perfect. Because I know that if I let go of that thing that I have to keep doing that's good for me, the wellness side of it and the stuff that's good for my soul, so to speak, um, I'll slip back to the stuff that's not good because I have got that addictive personality that will latch on to something that, that's bad for me, um, whether it's eating or sniffing or what, whatever, it, whatever it might be. Yeah. But you said you, you keep trying to become addicted to that, but do you think then that then... To me, that would that would say yoga is not right for you. you. You're not enjoying yoga. And addiction, from my point of view, should be easy. You should just do it like that. You know, it's just easy. But you're trying to be addicted to it, but you know, you've taken three years now. Maybe maybe it's not it's for you. You know, extremely good for me. It's it's um. Yeah, anything, yeah, it is, yeah, but something else might be as well. Anything that you see that I'm manifesting now has come from that. Break the chain. I decided to start doing because of that um sobriety yeah. i decided to do because and the reality is that things that are good for you aren't they're addictive <laughs> the things that are bad for you the things yeah. that are bad for you they're quick they're fast they're now and they're addictive and they're really really good yeah. in the start and then they they dip out into into crap they crap out really fast and things that are good for you start out being not that great and the more you do it the better it gets and it's like you say you have to build a habit and I have built that habit. I've meditated at, like yeah. you know, I meditate every day. I haven't missed a day since I started. I made a commitment to it every single day for I think for two years when I've actually meditated daily. And you know, so 
it, 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 it's something that I have to maintain. Um, and it's not... It's... It, it, must, it must zone you in almost. Like, it must zone you in because like, you as young were like very... Uh, bit like me, like, very scatty kind yeah. of thing. You know, very energetic. You know, kind of like doing one thing and the next thing, that sort of thing. But by the sound, it kind of... It does kind of rein you in, I guess, doesn't it? And find yeah, it's like yourself. I had a lot of energy, but I was sending it out 360 degrees yeah. and I had to like bring my, yeah. my focus to like a single point where I could actually do something. Because I, I, I don't know, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD or ADD or anything like that, but I'm fairly sure that if I'd been, no. been and you know, had a diagnosis, yeah. then it probably would have pointed me in, in that direction. And um, yeah, having, you know... Get the real yeah. Give them some Ritalin, which is basically cat. <laughs> you know, it's numbs, numbs them out. Because <laughs> yeah. um, things like that, um, you know, the ketamine makes sense for someone who's got something uh, going on like that. They think 50% of drug addicts, according to Gabor Mate, 50% of drug addicts have undiagnosed ADHD or ADD, which is um, which kind of makes total sense because it's got, uh, people be, would be self-medicating in that way but you know if you can bring if you can bring that all that energy which is scattered out and you know i i you know all my life i've been going this way and then that way and then like whatever catches my attention i just be like flipping around constantly changing what i like what i did just like yeah, yeah yeah flying around when you when you can actually bring that energy into a single focus and and find some purpose in your life and work towards something meaningful it's it is amazing and you know it's just a source of so much so much happiness when you can when you can actually do that and um find some peace and i mean you can't be peaceful when your mind is telling you i want to do this i want to do that and you know and you're following your mind's every wish every desire you'll never be peaceful because your mind never runs out of those your mind constantly wants to do all these different things you know oh i want a line i want to you know i want to go to that rave i want to go to that party i want to go to that gig i want to go to that festival you know i want to i want this girlfriend, I want this, you know, I want, 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 want. Your mind's just yeah, doing yeah. that constantly. And even when you get... Always one, looking for something, always looking for next. You, you know, you've you got to learn to tolerate your mind's desires um, and, and just let them go by because be like, if I try and fulfill each one of those, I'm going to be very tired. I'm going to be exhausted. Um, you know, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to be fulfilled because my mind will never run out of those. That's what the mind does. It just dishes up constantly and you've got to step back from the mind and go do i really want to do all these things yeah are these things are these things actually good for me? please you can, yeah you know with addiction it's extremely hard to do that because you know you kind of it's got you you know the mind's in control the mind tells you go get a, go get a bag and you're going to get a bag it's even going to tell you that you know that you like it and that and that you know that it is worth getting. yeah yeah it'll tell you oh no this is great you need that all your friends are great and, and it'll tell you all these things and it'll keep you in that place. But it, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to get a handle on that. And one of the reasons why I will not use drugs is because the moment I use drugs, it, it gives the steering wheel back to the mind. It's like, here you go, take me for a ride. And you're in control um, anymore. And you know, the longer you stay off them for, the more, the more control you get back over yourself again. Yeah, and if I if I even use one line, one beer, you know, I've just I'm done. You're not drinking. So sorry, you don't drink either. You're full. Yeah, nothing. Because um, you know, for me, the yoga and stuff, and it, you know, when I say yoga, it's like a serious, it's like a serious 
in-depth thing. It's not just like going and doing some stretches. I don't even do the physical stuff. It's more, it's more about what I do with my life and you know the um, uh, the purpose of my life and, and what I'm doing everything for. It's always like in a in a certain direction, and, and that keeps me safe from, from doing all those things. And it actually yeah. gives me fulfillment. It it's it, it, it scratches that itch that you know it, it, yeah. it satisfies me. That, from yeah. Within. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and as soon as I use anything again, it will take away all of my peace, all of my happiness, and it will put me back on the treadmill running after a carrot, basically. Uh, especially with you, obviously, because at the minute, obviously, you built up something, you know, something great, and, and you are helping people, you know, massively. Um, but like, especially with you, like, if you if you slip back, you you would fit, you would feel um, horrendous. You know, you just chucked you know, everything away even if even if you kept it a secret deep down deep down you'd know wouldn't you uh, that, that, that you had done that kind of thing and like yeah you obviously it wouldn't be that deep down i would look like such a twat yeah definitely yeah, 100%, <laughs> i would feel yeah. so guilty i'd feel so guilty and you know, you know my mind dishes up those desires sometimes it's like yeah like you know going going to boomtown would be wicked and going watching all the bands and Sniffing twenty five grams of cat would yeah. be brilliant, but but in reality, like the the my conscience would never ever let me no. be doing. I can't. That's off the cards me. That I I could never enjoy that again because I would feel so guilty. And uh, something that um, Jordan Peterson says is is really amazing. He says that a clear conscience is better than happiness because if you feel guilty. You will not be happy. No, you, guilt. That'll stay with you. Steals happiness. True, that'll stay with you. You got a good John Peterson. How was your um? Mm. How was your family within the end kind of thing? Because that like obviously, obviously like, usually families obviously kind of like are quite hush hush by it, you know. And like my mum and dad, I, I remember my mum and dad was always like, like I think especially my mum more sorry to say that she would like blame friend you know like my friends aren't good to be hanging around with and things but like it was it was me that was was one of the worst really anyway but like obviously your family would always look after you know always take your take your side and that sort of thing um but you know and and, and uh, all parents would do it if, don't know no no uh mine well, would do yeah i think i think um my 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 parents are just so busy working and you know they're in their own world kind of True. you know doing what they've been doing and i guess that they just weren't very aware yeah even though it should have been so obvious you know like but in the end my sister would come back and she would just be totally basically turn up at the door in a kale <laughs> and just like like talk to her like uh-huh. uh. You know, are you on drugs? No, uh, you know. Uh, that's like me, though. I like. She's, yeah, she's done. She's done so well. You yeah, know, my sister's done. I'm so proud. I'm so yeah. proud of my sister because she's actually living in Horncastle off drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Family, you know, which almost no one else has done. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, she she's stronger than I am. I know that. Um, but, but yeah, you know, my mum had to guide me through Crown Court. She had to yeah. guide me through court when I when I. Passed out and crashed into the back of a grandma at the traffic light. Like wasn't it? Yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> I got caught selling weed at school when I was thirteen. So you know, my mum was, you know, like I'm pleased that they didn't kick me out or whatever. You know, yeah. You know, maybe they should. Maybe she should. My dad should have hit me in the head with something. I don't know. 
Um, uh, yeah, so thanks to them for putting up my kind of shit, thing. you know. Um, it's hard to know which way is, is yeah. the right way to go with it kind of thing, but, you know, most families would, would stick by their, their children things, but, like, you know, when you are an addict kind of thing, you, you just don't know what you are doing to the family. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I, I probably in some ways put a rift between my mum and dad, you know, and um, it, it probably, they they lost a lot of family time. Now, like, I have to understand I've never been abroad with my mum and dad. And, and, and that's, that's a sad thing, you know, I've not, we've not been out for meals together, like we've rather done anything because all I cared about was 10 years of taking drugs, you know, and uh, if they'd asked me to do something, well, I would say yes, but I was already on drugs anyway, so I couldn't turn up on drugs at a, a meal or anything like that, so I would just avoid any situation and, and yeah, so I, I lost a lot of family time um, because of that and it's really sad now when, when I go home, you know, um, I go home every every few months and, it's my dad's birthday. He's sixty years old, and um, ah, it's, it's just, it's just very, very sad. I think my mum and dad are getting old, and I have missed a lot of that time. And I think now I'm getting older. I just, I think about that sort of stuff a lot more. But when I when I do speak to him now, same with your your mum and dad. And you know, you're you're the other side of the world. But I think when you do speak to your mum and dad now, it's meaningful, and you actually want to speak to them rather than running around sneaking up the stairs on, on drugs and just hiding from your family you actually want to be part of your family now yeah family meal I, I used to I used to go to the family meals <laughs> and just sniff around the toilet you yeah. come back you so paranoid yeah. and you feel something running down your nose and you're just like oh shit <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna it's just sat there, you're like yeah and then you wipe it across your face and they're like what's that on your face and they're like Toothpaste. <laughs> like yours, yours might be a bit like, more oblivious to it, but like mine were like they knew that they just knew. Yeah, I, I, my parents didn't just wanted to be in denial. Yeah, um, I think I think I think that they liked the idea of me not being on drugs better to the point where I could just tell shit lies and they'd be like, oh, okay, thank God. <laughs> yeah, but it was so obvious, like you know, so obvious, especially when I was selling drugs and just buying stuff, you know. And they'd be like, "Where have you got that from?" And just the crap, the lies I used to come out with. It was automatic; you don't even think about it. Do you? Yeah. You're just lying, built lying's just built in. But what I can say is that my I can safely say that my parents and entire family are so unbelievably happy that I'm sober now. It's just like indescribable. Even though it's kind of like I caused the pain. And then just me taking that pain away is kind of, I guess I pulled a nail out of their foot that I put in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they are, um, yeah, they're so relieved. Like, um, yeah, like with the family and things, I think you just need to be honest with yourself and, and not, not kind of lie. Like, I'm not going to say names or anything like that, but there's someone very close to my family, you know, and um, he, he definitely needs, needs help um, massively. And he just lies um, about the whole situation. And um, I think it puts a lot of strain on a lot of people for that. And everyone just wants him to get better. And he just won't do it for himself. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's older than me now, you know. So I think at some point he just needs to kind of bite the bullet and maybe hit rock bottom and actually try something. But, but yeah. Mm. 
know. I mean, rock, rock bottom's an interesting term, and they use, they use it a lot. I mean, in AA and NA, they say you have to hit rock bottom before you make a change. But what is rock bottom? There is no rock. Yeah, what is there? There is no rock True. bottom because there's always death. You know, so there's got to be something that you call rock bottom. But you know, like like I say, I mean, like there's there's no path of recovery. No. There's no path to sobriety. You have to do whatever you can by any means through whichever nook and cranny, cave, tunnel, aeroplane, whatever you can just to find a way through to even just get a break and get some clarity just to have a think about it and, and, and even just taste sobriety again. Just get yourself into a situation where you can get sober for a bit and just think about it. And just, just learn who you are. Just feel. like, if you've been doing it for like 10 yeah. years, like you literally forget who you are. And, um, I mean, you go away and you actually like realize you, you are, you know, you, you are quite an energetic, you know, more outgoing person. Um, and I think it just, it just gets lost on the way. Um, it did to me anyway. Um, mm. so but now I'm down here now. I've got a girlfriend like, and even my girlfriend now, like she, she's really good. Like I'm, uh, I'm very honest with her. Like, you know, she knows all about my past and, what I do like about her though as well is um, I was in another relationship and the issue was I was always kind of hiding, hiding things and because it was causing argument, that sort of thing. But like, I think if you do go out with someone that is understanding, obviously doesn't want me to do, do drugs or anything like that at all, but like someone who you could talk to like a best friend kind of thing um, where I don't need to hide and, and, and uh, and lie to that that helped me quite a lot i think as well it comes back down to that a clean a clean conscience is better than happiness thing doesn't it because you can tell yeah. a lie and get some instant gratification yeah. and get away with it and then you've got to live in anxiety and guilt yeah about are they going to find out yeah um, I'm and when they do I'm find out them, yeah know. that's bang on yeah definitely because i mean the problem with a lie you got you got to upkeep a lie aren't you and uh <laughs> One, you you need one lie, you need 20 lies to cover up the first lie, and then you need 20 yeah. for each one of those 20 just to... And then you've got to remember it all. And, it, you know, it takes so much energy. Like, you can just tell the truth. and it, oh, Don't get it. Like, telling the truth is so hard sometimes. Yeah. It's so, yeah. so, so hard. You know, and sometimes you fail. Sometimes you, you just can't do it. And it's just like, oh, my God, like, why can't I just, just do that? It's not like it's, uh, it's really easy to do it. But when you do do it, the peace... The peace that you get from it, and yeah. and, I, and I always I always think that telling the truth is always the first stage of getting better from addiction. Yeah, it's always agree, the yeah. it's the first thing you can do. You can do it when you start when you're still using. Start being yeah. honest. Just say, look, you know, I, I, I took you know I took drugs today or or whatever, and um, I took this. You know, in some cases, I took this money, and, and I've lied, and I, I said it's something else, but it's not. I've just I've just bought drugs of it. That's that's, that's all I'm doing with it. You know, and at least you are moving forward again. You know, you're not just stuck looking at that wall, just in the same routine, lying. And, um, you know, as soon as you do start telling the truth and you are moving forward, I think. It's the same with health, health problems. I kept all of my health problems to myself. I had, <clears throat> at one point, I started having these crazy chest pains. Yeah. Like, like really, and every time I sniff, I just get this crazy pest, uh, chest pain and and it was like it was scary and that i i think i put up with that for maybe a year and a half two years 
21 to 23 kind of age, I think. Mm. Uh, and it was rough. You know, like, that's like, you're going to die. You're going to have a heart attack. And that's what it felt really fucked. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell no one about that. I just ignored it and put up with it and kept sniffing, you know. Because you stopped sniffing, weren't you? And, well, yeah, basically. And, yeah, I, I think keeping those things to yourself is... Because, <clears throat> you, you know, you never know what it is. And that was one of, that was another th- one of the things with, with Ket that was the, so bad. It's like, I always used to think to myself... If there's something wrong with me, I'm not even going to know about it, or no. and I'm just going to think it's some side some side effect of the cat. It could be something really serious. Yeah, that's one, yeah, I'm, I do see I'm, that. Because I'm on cat all the time. Even if something happens to me or there's something goes wrong with my body, I'll just yeah. think it's like some cat thing and I'll ignore it. Yeah, like that. Um, the blood biopsy I had, you know, like I could have, like I haven't, you know, but I I could have had pissing problems. But you could have had like bladder cancer, you know, and it may have been to the cop, maybe not from the cat, but you could literally be living with that and just think, oh, it's just a cat, um, or whatever, or whatever drug you're on at the time. Um, so yeah, it, it, yeah, 100%. You, you blame every illness on that drug, don't you? So you could, mm-hmm. you could certainly miss, miss something quite, quite serious, I think. Um, yeah, I was always but, just thought, oh, everything will be all right. I used to just think that always, oh, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. <clears throat> But um, yeah, it, I don't know if it was maybe it was helpful and unhelpful at the same time because one thing I've learned in life is everything is not always all right, you know, <laughs> it's not. And and yeah, one of the reasons one of the reasons why I started break the chain is because you know it, I'm on the other side of the world and I'm not using and I'm just like, well, yeah, that's all right. But fuck my all my friends, all my friends are still at home. They're still in this situation, and you know what the you know, I don't want them to die, and you know, so many people have, and it's just like I'm. Just, oh yeah, a lot of people have. Do not want to see anybody else suffer that fate so young. But and, they have to be doers, like they they have to do it. You know, they have to just not not going around and talking about things like yeah, I'll, I'll come see you. I'll, I'm going away soon. I'm doing this. I'm getting a new job. Just just fucking do it. Like you know, like quite often I, I get called up saying, oh yeah, I want to come down soon. I want to come down soon. I've, I've hardly had anyone come down and see me. I, I've been living here three years, you know. I've got some good friends back home, and I want them to come down and come see me. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, drag anyone down there. They've got to come because they actually want to come down there. Um, and I spend some time away from away from the drugs and that. Um, but it's just not happened yet so far. The only, the only boys that have come down is because of the mountain biking. A few lads do that, but other than that, no one. But, do whatever um, you can to get a yeah, go, see, go to grandma's go to your aunties your uncles your cousins you know if you know someone who's where you can get a get a break to get some clarity just do it for a week or two just as an experiment give your body a break um anybody yeah go do some exercise and get some endorphins again it's just um it's just un- unbelievably important to do that and remember what it's like because you know I couldn't to live a normal like to do that you know to 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 not be on drugs I couldn't remember what that was like anymore. No, I just do no being sober. I like even going for like going for like a meal or going on dates or whatever normal things. You know, going you know chatting with a girl and going on you know crazy golf or whatever you do on a normal dates it's like normal nice nice things that you're you know having a good time with and you know 
and all that sort of thing is just lost. Like you, you have no money for start because you can't do anything. You're ill. I weighed about with the eight and a half, nine stone. So, you know, <laughs> nobody was really wanting me back then, really. So it just affects you in all all walks of life, how you look physically, money, health, everything. Time, sex, just takes, robs you of everything. Drug addicts are capable of anything. Like, like it's just, it's one thing that drug, drug addiction shows you is how unbelievably resourceful you are. If you need to find a thousand pounds, you will find it. Like, I, I don't know how it happens, but you can just, you can just do it. You can just find money for drugs. Like every day for, you know, you can find like the amount of money that you, you spend on drugs in a year. And some people do it and they don't even work, you know, and mm. it's not, and I don't know how they seem to, maybe not always good, but, but, but like super, super resourceful. So if you think that you can, you know, do all those things, but you can't, you know, find a way to get away for a cut for two weeks just to have a bit of a break from that, you are fully, fully capable, you know, beyond capable, extremely resourceful. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like, like almost like little entrepreneurs, just almost <laughs> like building a little business empire for yourself just to fund your little habit. I think, but. No, but no, or, or, no. Now, all good, you know, and a, a lot happier. I think, you know, I am like a strong member of, the, of my family as well now, you know, and I got my family who are probably proud of me of what I've done, which is which is which is all good. Um, so, you know, I couldn't be in a, in a much better place now um, than than what I was. And you know, I, I say to a lot of people with mental health issues, and you know, they are literally like they're almost like the last few minutes almost, you know, they're deciding to end it all. You know, if you just hold in there and just change something about your life, move away, do whatever, like three months later, six months later, I, I know I look back and I think, you know, what position I was in back then, you know, and I'm not perfect now, but con- compared to what I was six months ago or whatever, it's just a massive difference. And it doesn't take long mm. at all. So when people think, you know, it's all over, it's it's not at all. Yeah. Another thing that I, I really underestimated is that, you know, go, go, going to see someone and talking to someone, talking to a, a professional, uh, a counsellor, you know, even if it's not directly about the drug addiction, even if it's about other things, you know, the, the, the power of going and actually talking to someone else, it, it's symbolic. But you have to want to do it, though, that's the thing, like... like I mean, I went to adaction, you know, and that's not like, it's drug counts and that sort of thing, but, oh, it just, for me, it just, probably because I didn't want it to work, it just, it just didn't work, you know, all I, all I would do was, I would take a load of drugs, I'd probably have it in, you know, yeah. have it with me when I was in there, um, and then all they would do for me was just monitor how much I was taking, and I would just lie to them, I would just say, oh, today I've had a gram, next week I've had, I had half a gram a day. It's just a load of bollocks, you know, and um, <laughs> that's because I guess I didn't want to do what yeah. they were saying, but it just didn't work for me. That's all. I, I, I never liked the idea of going to them places as well. And, I mean, there's t- there's two different categories of people, one person who wants to quit and one, one who doesn't. Oh, 100%. If you, wanna, if, you want, if you want to quit, go and see someone. You know, they might be able to help you. They might be able to tell you some things that, that make it easier know. or make it easier later down the line when you decide that you're definitely going to do it. And there's the people who don't want to quit. There's people who like me who like doing it and like yeah. the whole thing 
same. and hated it at the same time, but really liked loads of aspects of it and didn't want to quit, but had to had to leave because if I didn't quit, I'd die. <laughs> and that was the yeah. option. That was what I had to do because it actually took me seven seven years after leaving to quit to actually decide that I wanted to do that. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just like, yeah, distracting your mind almost. It's like if I don't, if I'm distracted, I, I just don't think about anything. And now I'm in such a good routine. I'll, I'll go work, do my hobbies, come back, cook dinner. You know, it, it sounds like a bit of a boring life, but it's life. And I love it, you know. Um, and I've missed out on it for a long time. So I, I think to be fair though, as a person, it has it has made me a better person in some ways. Like I am humble for, for whatever. And I'm very like down to earth. I'm not judgmental, anything like that. You know, I, I'm not like money orientated um, or anything like that, you see. So I, I think it does, your experiences you do go through does, you know, mold you as a person. Um, and yeah, I'd I, I like to, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person now, so. Um, it's extremely humbling <laughs> mo, mo, like most the majority of people who've been addicts have become extremely compassionate and yeah uh, and kind, and kind people yeah. because they, they understand um that you can fundamentally lose life. Complete, complete control of your life and anyway yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't um, discriminate it, it affects everybody from the rich to the poor black white it, it doesn't it doesn't discriminate it, it affects everybody together mm. it's universal <laughs> Yeah. Like, if my girlfriend, like, she comes home and, like, you know, she works in the NHS, you know, and off there under a lot of strain in the minute. Um, but, like, she, she can worry over anything, like, and build this up into this massive, big thing. And, like, with me, you know, I, I just don't worry about things as much anymore because nothing's that big a deal. You know, it, it's work, isn't it? You don't need to, it's not going to ruin your life. Your employer, if you run around for your employer, all the time, working your ass off. If, if you were to leave that job, a month later, you, you'd be forgotten about. And all these work friends you've got, you, you, you can literally stop talking to them. You know, it's just, it's just work. You just need to think about yourself, not anyone else, and just be happy in yourself, not work. Don't, you know, I don't know. But with me, I, I just don't worry about things like that. You know, I think I, I do help my girlfriend. Um, in some ways because of that because like we, we're kind of polar opposites she helps me in mm. certain ways and i help her in that sort of way yeah it does help when you have those balance and those relationships so when uh, i always thought i needed someone with loads of things in common and um yeah you know, my, my girlfriend now we don't have loads of things in common like no that's good but, yeah but we, but we want we want something um similar from life we both like helping people and that's enough you know, yeah, to be fair, yeah, your yeah, yeah, your exes were quite similar to you, really, in some ways, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, nuclear, I think. To yeah, nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, like, yeah, opposites do, yeah, do do well, and yeah. you, you, it can bring you down. Or if you've got two fiery people, you're only going one way, aren't you? You know, and yeah, it helps with a little bit of balance in relationships. That's balance, for sure. Yeah. If you both, but I think the most important thing in relationships, if you both have kind of a common goal, you both kind of want a heading in the same direction. Yeah. That's always helpful. Um, I just wanted to do a, a little bit um, about harm reduction um, because obviously quitting cat is proper hard. If anyone's addicted to cat and they're still listening to this all at this point now, 
um, thank you. I hope it's not been um, too difficult to listen to. And I, and I'm sure Josh as well, sincerely um, want the best for you. And, and um, if you need cool. any help, please, 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 please reach out. Always happy to chat to anybody because I will go to the ends of the earth to help people get sober from drugs because I know how shit it is. And one thing I wanted to just quickly talk about was harm reduction because it's so hard to actually stop that if there's things that you can do to lessen the impact on your health and your body while you're doing it, um, you know, that's obviously extremely good. First thing, drink loads and loads of water like Josh. (laughs) Like Josh is yeah, but I never used even, to. That, that that was a big one. Yeah, 100%. No. Even before bed, I found that it's like because because you feel like you need to piss all the time. You're worried about waking up in the night. Yeah, you don't drink water because you're like I don't want to drink any liquid because it'll it'll make it worse. But I found that when I actually drank a good amount of water before bed, that it was better, and that I slept better having drank that water. And it was like because like it, it dilutes the problem so it's helpful yeah. it's definitely helpful to drink some water um if I, I think most people know not to sniff crystal cat i think most people know to crush it um or cook it but cook it up cook it if you can uh if you know how to do that i'm not going to give a cooking lesson on cat right now. <laughs> if, if you really want to know if you really want to know if you don't know uh message me i will tell you how to do that because it's so so much better for you to not sniff crystals and sniff it uh, in the cooked form. Um, what another thing I used to do was I used to get a handful of water and like sniff the water just to dissolve all the stuff out of my nose before I went to bed. We do know some people who've had the not the the septums fall out um, and they've got holes in between their nose. Uh, that's not fun. That one's for life. Um, don't swallow it into your stomach i think most people know not to swallow it um yeah you got any other you got any other tips of uh harm reduction yeah maybe yeah even like yeah cushion up like you said because obviously not everyone has access to or be able to cook up and that sort of thing but like when i was young we never used to use we didn't use a note to crush things up we were just literally crushing the big shards just with the cards and just a little bit like that and then sniffing up kind of thing um but yeah, mainly water. Water was a big thing with me. Like even now, I don't drink enough water. Um, but that just just dilutes everything inside your inside your stomach as well. Um, and then probably as well, try. Sounds weird, but maybe not actually, because you are you are digesting it. You know, and if if you like to say if you eat before bed or anything like that, then it just just sits sits there, and your body just takes it like. If you're sniffing it just in bed and then you go to sleep, it's just literally just sat there. You know, you're not drinking any fluids, you're not doing anything, you're just sat in your bladder and it's just rotting your bladder away as well. Mm. Um, but if you are doing it all the time, even even with all the all the harm reduction methods, if it's inside your body as much as that, if you do like two or three a day, if you actually looked at two or three grams and put it into like a month's worth of use, It'll be just a big bag of just powder, wouldn't it? That's all inside your, your bladder, isn't it? You know, and, and, and yeah. all inside your body. So, yeah, I always used to worry about that having that that, that chemical running through my blood constantly. Yeah, like, constant. I'm literally like, I don't even know if what colour my blood is. I think it's turned white. Like, like yeah, that, you know, it's just um, 
Un unbelievable. Um, yeah. Trying to think yeah. if I can think of any other good harm reduction uh, tips. I did think of something and it's uh, it's escaped my memory. Um, so uh, I think obviously we'll... using like uh, not sharing notes, that sort of thing. You know, everyone will talk about that sort of thing. You shouldn't really share notes. Cut up a straw, use a straw. Um, that sort of thing. There's other other sort of infections and diseases you can get from from sharing notes. I'm sure. Yeah, one one thing. I mean, one one big thing with 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 um, especially with addiction is it makes you very greedy, doesn't it? And you know, like the you start just making bigger and bigger and bigger lines to the point where yeah. you can't put enough up your nostrils to make it do any more, and it'll just start coming back out again, running down your face. Yeah, it's not doing anything. It's not I, doing I, anything, is it? Yeah. No, I always found that if I, even if I could just I could just like literally put a line out. Cut it in half and just sniff half of it, and then just see how it went. And quite yeah, often, I'd actually one, be yeah. equally equally satisfied off half as much as I was going to sniff. Yeah, was, you know, probably because I was out of hand with the amount I'd, I was having. But but yeah, like just cutting back and like you say, trying to have a break before you go to sleep. I would. All, that's something. Unfortunately, I would always do is try and have a a, a good. Re uh, I, I couldn't sleep before. Like I'd have to. As soon as I had a line, I would have to wait like two hours before yeah. I could sleep because it yeah, would just keep 100%. me awake. So yeah, having a break before bed, good sleep, if possible, better sleep, <laughs> improving on sleep, yeah. uh, eat well, you know, all that obvious stuff as well. Um, it does make it look better. Like, you know, the whole the whole sleeping thing, because I, I remember looking at me, I was like, I was either like a grey colour or yellow as well. I, I was quite yellow at some point as well with uh with it all, but like even if you've had enough sleep, you've you've drank, you've not done the kit, obviously, like you soon get your colour back in in your face and start looking a lot more healthier again. But it does just discolour you massively. Yeah, horrendous. you'd see someone who's um, been at work all week and they haven't been out, and they come out first, like within two hours of sniffing it, like it's just sucked the life out of them. You could just yeah, see this, you could see this um, effulgence just go out you know their lights just go out and they just go like a pale color and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah color yeah they've been working on the on the bricks all day or whatever and they've got color in the cheeks and they'll have that and they'll just look like a looking zombie black eyes looking all sorts just just kind of mm. so let's talk about some of the the things that i found in the research so it's like ketamine primarily affects the the bladder walls, they actually become thickened and they lose their elasticity. Um, yeah. This can be called uh, cystitis um, and it can cause ulceration in the bladder. Um, one of the things is the, the bladder actually becomes shrunken and it can uh, be reduced to like around 50 mil. I think that's like, if you know what 50 mil of water looks like, that's extremely small. Um, and because the bladder becomes shrunken, it actually causes pressure to the kidneys and like it causes pressure through the system and that can cause um, blocked kidneys, kidney pain, and it can actually damage the kidneys. Um, urine in the blood, pissing jelly, um, which quite a few people... That's horrendous, yeah. Yeah, um, and we know people who've had to have their bladder removed from ketamine usage, which is obviously a completely life-changing event um, um it can lead to the potential of kidney failure incontinence as you spoke about earlier yeah i think with uh, like the infection uh, things if you don't get the infection sorted out it, it literally will like almost 
come back up inside and then it'll affect the, the kidneys, that sort of thing then as well. Yeah, if you if you have if you have a UTI, even the urinary tract infection can cause um your kidneys to become scarred because it, if it goes mm. back up to the kidneys and that's a that can be like actually a life changing event that um you know can can, can affect your your uh, kidney function and and it's not it's not cool so if you've got um if you've got a, if you think you might have an infection just doing a course of antibiotics can be really 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 useful um but make sure you do them like just actually do them and not just sniff cat and just do half and about that's what i used to do i used to go to doctors get some antibiotics i'd do like a week's worth maybe something like that i'll still be sniffing it at the same time actually do them do them clear your system out drink water drink it you know get rid of it all yeah i think it's i mean with getting sober from drugs there has to be a conscious choice where it's like i'm going to start looking after myself now i haven't looked after myself for a long time and now i need to really actually start looking after myself and that just that that conscious decision to like start, i mean i mean even if you're still using there's still ways that you can look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself you're fucked like it is you really are so there's so many things that you can do to prevent things from being um you know so bad uh yeah i in the future you know at the end of the day, we were like 15 to you know late 20s or whatever um but you you've got that that's like that's just like a part of your life in it and you've got to your bladder has to survive until you're 80, you know, 90 year old potentially, you know? So, and I think we always live for the here and now, but, you know, I think we do need to think about future. So I might even open up a pension pot soon. Mm, well, I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> sure that, you know, I'm worried, still worried about later life. I, you know, with, with what I did to myself, the quantities that I did and, you know, yeah. and, and how my bladder felt and the problems I had. Um, I'm sure that I've done some damage uh, in the long run. But, um, you know, fingers crossed, all you can do is get get yourself sober and start look, start looking after yourself. Start looking after yourself before you're sober. Just do whatever you can to start really Just trying to take care of yourself. Start, start trying to take care of yourself. Yeah, um, you know, live a, distract in the beginning. Distract yourself. Do exercise. Go to the gym. Any anything, <laughs> anything you have to do to to get sober, um, do it. Do it as you know. It's it's not easy. It's fucking hard. It's definitely easy now. It it's fucking hard. Um, but you know, but you get used to don't you? you to me. Yeah. Sorry, what was you going to say? Yeah, you know, it is hard, isn't it? But it's just like. Because it's just, it's just like another routine again. You you stop doing that routine or that addiction, and you're you're into this brand new thing that you, you like. It's completely new to you. This whole new routine where you're, it's almost like you said, scary. Um, but then after a while, after two weeks, three weeks, that then becomes your little routine, you know. And um, and if you can if you maintain it, that is it. Then it, it, it's sort of. I, I think someone said to me like, I don't know if it's true or not, but like. I think it's like if you do something, you're addicted to something. If you stop and you do something else, it'll take up to three weeks for you to stop that, like that as much as like a proper addiction. It's almost like move to something else. It takes three weeks to to become addicted to something else or whatever. I don't know if that's true or not, but 
I still remember the first two weeks of when I first ever landed in Australia, 23, and I, I left out of <laughs> the, the rate I was using, you know, um, we just tragically lost Matt. I'd just gone off the rails. Mm. I was just absolute oblivion. And I went from just totally, totally, totally sniffing as much as I could. You know, it just was absolutely out of control. And then I got on an airplane and landed in Australia. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah. And I was like, and like, I just, Who like, am I? I? Going, I was, but I was going up the walls, like how badly I wanted to use. Like I, And then I, for, for the first month, I drank all day, every day, like loads and loads of alcohol. And it made me feel so bad because, you know, I'd... I, I, I had to adjust from that from from the way I was using it was so difficult it, you know and you know you can't use drugs all day every day and then expect it to be but but psycho, but 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 that was that first time but then when I went back and used a bit and left it depends how much you're using but yeah it's not easy it's not easy to get off drugs if you've been because you're so used to doing that it's all your brain thinks about I'm a, you know like the past 10 years of my life had been all I'd known was raves drugs techno and, and like i had this really small variety of things that like I, that, you know i've got like five topics i can talk about this is all i know it's all i do and then you go back yeah. out into the world and you, you want to talk to people and you're like oh do you like yeah. david drummer and they're like who? <laughs> yeah. who the hell is that like what yeah you're <laughs> like an alien yeah yeah, you are like an alien. And all I knew to talk about was drugs. Everything, every story I yeah. had was drugs. Everything was just drugs, drugs, drugs. And yeah. then I had to make I had to make new memories. I had to yeah. I had to do new things. And then slowly over time, I had other things to talk about. So thankfully I didn't trigger myself constantly by constantly reminding myself that I love drugs and love raves and love festivals and love all these things that were just actually gonna take me back where I came from. And I had to make new things try some new things and do new things and over over time it gets so much easier it gets and then it gets really peaceful and you're like and then going the idea of going back there seems like hell now um yeah so yeah. fight for it you've got to fight for it take off the gloves and go to war with it yeah no i agree with that um all right mate thank you so much for coming on today josh sure. um i really appreciate it said it a few times if anybody ever 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 needs to talk about anything talk to me i'm sure you're happy to talk to people talk to you know anybody that we know who's got sober or, or just you know always always happy to go to the ends of the earth to try and help people uh, get through uh, and get sober so yeah, yeah thank you Josh. No, no thanks bye, james take care all right i'll see you again i hope that you enjoyed the show and I really appreciate you stopping by. If you found some benefit from listening to this episode, please hit subscribe and share it with anyone that you think might need it, so that we can try to turn the tide on the devastating mental health epidemic that the world is facing. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Break the chain.